Slendy, hey, go. Slendy, hey. Hit it up the park. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, hey, go. Slendy, hey, go. Slendy, hey, go. Slendy, hey. You already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 457 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 28, 2023. And the Padres, they won tonight, 4-1 to against the St. Louis Cardinals. But I think collectively as a fan base, we don't really care about what happened there between the Padres and the Cardinals tonight. Like, oh, it was a good game by Garrett Cooper. It was a good game by Matt Carpenter. Perry. You know, like, we can talk about that. We can talk about Blake Snell's outing, the start that he had, going seven innings and giving up no runs, and that was all great, right? And his ERA is now down to 2.60, 2.60. But all that matters is where the Padres are at in the standings, and they're seven and a half games back of the final wild card spot. We know that their season is over. Bob Melvin has essentially already admitted that, and that was after pretty much the entire fan base has already, you know, admitted and has let that sink in that, yeah, the season's done. Um, so what I really want to focus on tonight is another guy going on the IL in U Darvish, and there was a report out, not by one of the traditional Padres beat writers, but by Ryan Phillips who writes for the big lead and he put a piece out that was sourced from some people that know what's going on inside that Padres organization. Some former, I think at least one former employee. And there's some interesting stuff in there that I wanted to hit on. Um, but before we get to that, just a reminder, if you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question tonight, you can use that super chat button. $20 off your SeatGeek order using that code TalkingFriars, BreakingTea.com, and FOCO. Great San Diego sports swag at Breaking Tea. Click that link that's pinned. Uh, uh, not, not, it's not pinned. It's in the description. I, sorry, I'm getting all these confused here. Click the Breaking Tea link in the description for some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Wave, Aztecs. And then on FOCO, they've got some great bobbleheads, uh, some great straw hats as well. Um, some friendship bracelets. I'm actually wearing one of them for the YouTube audience. If you see that, that friendship bracelet there. So you can check those guys out there at FOCO. And then obviously more about Gaglione Bros and Underdog Fantasy here in a little bit. I'll talk about tonight's game for a few minutes here. Again, it's not going to be the primary focus of the show tonight because why should it be? I mean, the games are secondary to what's going on here. Um, Padres did win 4-1. Top of the third, Grish was on second with one out. Soto flew out. Manny ended up getting out as well, so miss, uh, missed opportunities there. First and second with two outs in the fourth inning. Gary, he grounded out, so there was a missed opportunity there. And that was part of the story tonight for this Padres offense. Sure, they scored four runs, but... I think it was still disappointing. I mean, they scored one run off of Adam Wainwright, who gave up eight hits, walked three guys, so that's 11 base runners right there. 
and you scored one run off of them. So that tells me that that's a lot of missed opportunities, and that's just the offense not being good enough, which we've heard plenty of times this season. They went 3-for-12 with runners in scoring position tonight, left 13 guys on base. So I think maybe is tonight a lucky night, a lucky win for the Padres, maybe? because of how well Blake Snell pitched. Like, they, they got lucky because it was a Snell night, and the Cardinals' offense just couldn't really do anything. It's, it, maybe that's why the Padres won this game, because I think better teams would have scored definitely more runs than what the Padres put up tonight. Um, now, Carp did have an RBI single in the sixth. Cooper had an RBI single, made it 2 nothing in the seventh, and then he also came through again with another hit. It was like the the Garrett Cooper game in the top of the ninth for some insurance after Goldie had a home run for the Cardinals, made it 2-1. Cooper with the single, drives in Tatis, drives in Soto, makes it 4-1. to one. Tatis got himself in on the action as well tonight. Uh, a uh, action-packed night for Hernando at the plate. Two for four, scored three runs, walked once, so got on base three times and scored all three times that he was on base. And uh, he's one of the guys that hope, uh, hopefully they'll be able to bounce back um, next year. Tatis and a lot of guys on this team. I'm not saying this year was a terrible year for Tatis. I mean, he was an all-star, and he's probably been one of the Padres' better uh, position players this season. But he has gone through a pretty rough stretch here in the month of August, for sure. When this has kind of been the Padres' last-ditch effort to get back in things. And so it hasn't been ideal. But I'm pretty sure he's playing through something. Um, I've seen videos, whether it's from Marty Caswell or someone else, when the Padres are at home and you know the cameras are in there in the clubhouse, and you see Tatis with his shoulder wrap. So you know something's going on there. Obviously, he's coming off of the surgeries, and he's been playing pretty much every day. I thought they were going to give him some more days off this season when he came back. But it's also because of the place that they have been in. They have to be playing him every day. You can't have who you're going to have go play the outfield. They don't have the outfield depth. And Tatis is one of their best players. Like, based on where the Padres are at, they couldn't afford to have Tatis take a lot of days off coming back. And if he was going to take days off, then he was going to be DHing on those days off, you know? So it was going to be a half day off. So hopefully he has a, uh, a, a better all around season next year. I think I'd speak for most of the Padres fan base when I say that. But he had a pretty good night tonight. And Blake Snell, again, seven innings, no runs, 2.60 ERA. I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse for the National League Cy Young Award winner uh, right now. He's just been tremendous since since when? I mean, when you look at the game logs, right? Let me Let me pull those up right now. It's been how long? Three months? Has it been three months of Snell pitching pretty much like a Cy Young? And he had some good outings at the beginning of the year, but he was inconsistent, continued to be inconsistent at the beginning of the season. Um, but where he really started to turn it on was May 25th against Washington. And ever since then, he's been pitching pretty well, like really well, consistently. And this was entering tonight. So this is a three-and-a-half month, maybe, uh, about three-month stretch here from Blake Snell. 
if baseball reference is going to load. Don't know if it's going to load for me. All right, let me reload the page and see if it works. From May 25th to August 22nd. And it's still not going to load. Okay, well, maybe let's see if I go to the splits, if that'll work. I've got the spinning wheel of death right now, so it's just not working. Okay, here we go. So if we go splits by month, and this is entering tonight, April, March, opponents were hitting 278, had a 917 OPS off of Snell, so definitely not his best. But then you go to May, opponents were had a uh, 655 OPS. Then in June, they had a 384 OPS. Then July, 562. And then so far in August, entering tonight, 678 OPS. So start of May. Since the start of May, really, opponents are having a really hard time with Snell this season. Um, June, 0.87 ERA. July, 0.56 ERA. And then this month, 3.91 ERA, which obviously lowered because that ERA is not taking into account what he did tonight, which was go seven innings and not give up any runs. He walked five guys, which is a lot, obviously. Uh, but he only gave up two hits. And he was able to get out of that big jam in the fourth inning. Bases loaded, one out, down 3-0 in the count. Struck out Andrew Kisner and also struck out uh, Jordan Walker as well. So that was a big moment. And then obviously the offense gave some insurance late. Um, Suarez and Hader pitched. It was good to see Hader back on the mound. Like, he's alive. That's cool to see. And obviously I'm joking when I say that, but I'm just... It's just me being disappointed that we haven't seen Hader as much as I think we should this season. And I understand that Hader, he's he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So he's going to probably dictate a little bit, right, where he's going to pitch. And he was screwed a little bit by Milwaukee with arbitration and all that. But I still think that he should be pitching a little bit more frequently, or at least when they were still in it. He should have been pitching more frequently at the beginning of August here when it was like their last ditch effort. When I was because I'm I was looking back at his game logs before I came on here and I'll pull him up again. The month of July, it wasn't that bad. He was pitching pretty consistently. But then when you go to the month of August, it's like it's once, twice a week, maybe. You go month of July, and he had how many appearances here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven appearances. Ten and a third innings didn't give up any runs. Like, okay, I'm fine with that. But then when you go to August, we're sitting here August 28th, and he has half that of many, half that many appearances. Now six, I guess, if you include tonight. But August 1st, then he takes a week off, August 8th. Then another week, August 16th. Then pitches August 18th. But then the next day, August, 20, August 23rd. Then the next day, August 28th. So it's like he's taking five days off, a week off. And again, it's not maybe him that's taking it off, but the Padres just not putting him in games. I don't know if it's the Padres that are dictating this. I don't know if it's Hater dictating it. Is it a combination of the two? Now that the Padres are out of it, I, I assume that the Padres and Hater probably have agreed like he's not going to pitch unless it's a closing situation, like they're, they're just not going to pitch him because there's no point in pitching him. Like even if he does pitch every day, they're not going to get back in it. 
like the season's over. So I think it's past the time to be like Josh Hader needs to pitch all the time. I'm past that. I'm just pissed off that he wasn't pitching more consistently again early on in the month when they had that opportunity to pitch him more consistently or he had that opportunity to be like, hey, I'll pitch. Doesn't have to be a safe situation. We need me to be in these ball games. And maybe that conversation happened and the Padres are like, no, this is your role. But I have a hard time believing that they would say, no, this you're not pitching in the eighth inning if it's a tie game and the best part of the lineup is up. You're not we're not gonna allow that to happen. I don't I don't really see that. Uh, I mean, at the end of June, even June 20th, he pitched. And then the next appearance was June 30th. Like, it's like you have a nice car and then you don't use it. Like, what's the point of that? You have these nice shoes and you just hang them up on your wall and you don't wear them. You know, Josh Hader is not the reason why the Padres are out of a postseason spot, but it's just one of those things that has ticked me off a little bit. I see Daniel's in here. What's up, Daniel? Hey. How's it going? Good. What do you want to talk about? Well, well I'm, t- uh, I'm kind of disappointed about the Padres season. I was just, uh, in your opinion, right, do you think, to, like, next year they might actually, like, win the World Series? Or you think it's going to be, like, another, like, make it to, like, the National League Championship and then lose again? I mean, I think National League Championship would be even a reach. But just based off of this season, I mean, it's kind of hard, at least me sitting here right now, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, yeah, World Series expectations for next year, even though I probably will have those expectations going into next year, just looking at the roster going into next year, assuming that they're not going to blow it up and they can't really blow it up. Um, But sitting here right now, it's kind of hard for me to be like, yeah, World Series or bust when they didn't even make the postseason, you know? So I I think next year they should be able to make the postseason. I I don't think that this is going to happen again. But that thought of, oh, man, this is what it's going to look like maybe for the back half of these long contracts, that thought has creeped into, I think, a lot of our heads this year because these guys are performing like we thought they might perform at the back end of those long contracts. That That shouldn't have happened in year one of a Xander contract or year one of crony and him being extended or, you know, uh, Darvish year one of this and Manny year one of, well, I guess, uh, yeah, I think this year is year one of his uh, new deal. Um, We weren't expecting that to happen this year. Um, But yeah, to answer that, I don't really have those world series expectations for this team next year, but I might have them, you know, on opening day next year, depending on what happens in the off season. And I, you know, let this season go and take some time and just try to forget about this season. And you're, you know, realize that 2024, it's a reset. But yeah, it's hard for me to believe in this team going into next year that they're going to be like the best team in baseball. Okay. And also, I was thinking like, um, since like, you know, we signed Xander Bogarts like last offseason, like, who do you think we're going to sign this offseason? Are you, you think we're going to like be sellers this season or like this offseason? Yeah, I mean, sellers, who is there really to sell? Like, you're not going to trade, I don't think. You're not going to trade Manny. You're not going to trade Tatis. You're not You're not going to trade Bogarts. not going to trade Cronenworth. Do they want to trade Kim? Because I think you're getting worse if you trade Kim. If you trade Soto with one year left of control, I think you're getting worse. I know some fans don't like Soto and don't want to give him $500 million, but I think the bottom line is he makes the he's he helps the Padres' offense. 
So I don't see them trading Juan Soto. I think they're still going to go all in for next year. So who is it that they would sell? So yeah, I think they're going to be a buyer, but I feel like a lot of the buying that's going to happen is just bringing back guys. If they want to bring back guys and you're just bringing back guys on a team that didn't make the postseason. So we're supposed to ex expect that this roster is going to, you know, turn it around and everyone's going to play better for 2024 and they're going to reach their potential. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like, yeah, they're going to buy and they're going to bring back some guys. And then there's gonna, maybe Preller, because I think he's going to stay. He's going to bring in some guys that we're not even thinking about. And maybe we'll think, hey, those are good additions. Just like some of us thought that, hey, Matt Carpenter, maybe that's a smart addition. Nelson Cruz, vet. And then it ends up not working out, you know. So it's AJ, it's he's hard to predict what he's going to do in the offseason for sure. Daniel, you got me still? Yeah. Any more questions? What do you think is going to happen in the um, offseason? You know, the thing about the the trade deadline is that I don't know why we, you know, we signed Rich Hill and, you know, Chi, I, I know Chi Man Choi is good enough, but, like, you know, Rich Hill's going into his 43 years old and, you know, he's, like, at the age he's, like, start retiring. So yeah. I think we should do, like, a like a better trade. Like, you know, it's, like, sign somebody, like, maybe show you Otani or something. Like that. You, you thought that they should you know, sign Otani? I saw rumors about, like, us, like, getting show you Otani or something like that, but... In the offseason, probably, after, like, when he's a free agent, but they weren't going to, the Angels made him off limits, and the Padres, that, that wouldn't be worth it to trade for Otani in that spot, because I didn't think they were going anywhere. I, I thought that they should have traded Snell and Hader before the deadline, because now they're just wasting good seasons from those guys, and Hader isn't pitching often, and Snell, again, like, Cy Young season, he's going to be wasted on this team. And I thought that they could have set themselves up better for 2024 and beyond if they dealt those guys. Uh, but Preller and Seidler continued to have this blind faith in this team. And so maybe this is going to set the franchise back a little bit, um, which which obviously sucks. Uh, but no, Atani, that wasn't going to happen. And you're not going to trade for a guy that's a free agent at the end of the year when he's probably not going to come to the Padres. The Padres are going to make their pitch and probably be a finalist for Otani in the offseason, but I don't see him coming to the Padres. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason, obviously assuming that Preller's still here, and I think that he's definitely still going to be here. Oh, yeah, by the way, so after, after the season, right, is Ponsolo still is, is going to be a free agent, or does, does he still have one more year with us? One more. One more year. Oh. Yep, 2024, and then after that, he's a free agent. So you think we're going to resign him, or do you think he's going to go back to like a, another team? Right now, I'd lean towards the Padres not signing him. I don't, I don't really have like a great reasoning towards that. Uh, maybe it's maybe I should say it's the the long term contracts that the Padres already have. It just doesn't feel like Juan Soto like really wants to be here uh, long term unless the Padres give him you know the the most money. And I don't know if the yeah. Padres want to do that, um, but maybe they do and, and feel desperate that they. Uh, we'll do it because they're like, hey, we traded so much for him. We have to keep him here long term. And he's a great talent. And Peter Seidler did say right after they traded for Juan Soto last year that he's not afraid of the $500 million contract. So maybe they feel like we have to extend this guy or we have to bring him back in free agency. And they end up doing it if they don't bring in Otani or whatever. Um, but yeah, 500 mil, 
I find it hard to believe that he's going to get $500 million right now, from the Padres at least. You still there, Daniel? Oh, yeah, sorry, I like that. Like, for the minute. Oh, yeah, so, uh, like, last offseason, right, Um, you know, I was excited about, like, you know, the Bogarts, like, the, the Bogarts signing. I'm like, oh, we might actually have a chance, you know, all those, like, Fernandez coming back, Joe Musgrove's coming back, Robert Schwartz coming back. But then as soon as I started, like, you know, realizing Bogarts has not, not like, not really been performing how, like, we want him to be. So I'm like, do you think, neg- do you think it's just, like, a little, like, he's not, like, uh, how can I say, he's not performing good or, like, he's just bad this year? Well, no, both. I think he's, yeah, he's not performing good, and he's been bad this year. Um, I don't think that he's going to replicate this season next year. I'll say that. I mean, is he going to have another wrist injury next year? Is he going to get hit by a pitch in the wrist, and then his power is going to be gone for a couple months in the middle of the season? I mean, he went two months this year hitting a home run in, or hit a home run once, I think, in one month, and then hit one home run in the next month. Like, the power was just gone. I think he's been okay defensively, but it's going to be interesting to see if they stick with Bogarts at short and they keep having Cronenworth play first and Kim at second, or do they have Kim play short, they have Bogarts play second or first, or they move Crony to second and have Bogarts play first. I don't know, but it would be... I don't know how Bogarts would feel if they move him over to second or first in the second year of his contract. I mean, he he thinks he's the shortstop. So, yeah, we'll see uh, to answer that, yeah, he's he's had a disappointing season, um, and I think fans have a right to be pissed off about it, but I don't think it's right to be like, oh, this is a horrible contract, you know, less than a season into it. Uh, you know what I think for next year for the lineup? I think, I don't know why, but I feel like they should put Fernando t- back at shortstop. I don't know. Maybe he's not, like, the right place for him because, you know, he's just a right fielder, but, like, when he was, like, in shortstop back when, like, he didn't get suspended for those long. For ninety days, or I don't know how much years, I don't know how much days he got yeah. suspended for. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see him back at shortstop because you know he was one of the he he you know he was he was skillful. He was uh yeah 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 he was yeah. And I'll let you go. Thanks so much for the time, Daniel. Thanks for coming on. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll answer uh, that right now. Yeah, with with Nando and at shortstop, I think the Padres aren't as good of a team if Nando's at shortstop because. He's proven that he can be a gold glove outfielder in right field, right? And then they can move him to center if they don't want to have Grish there anymore. So there's that. And then you have Kim at shortstop or you have Bogart at shortstop, Kim at second, Crony at first, Manny at third. Like, that's your best team. Um, now, you can make the argument that, like, Crony at second and Kim at short and actually bringing in a, you know, a power-hitting first baseman would be the best. But you can't really do anything about it. Like, again, I don't see them trading Cronenworth. You can't trade Bogarts. Not trading Manny. Um, Kim, I mean, I think you get worse if you trade Kim. So, like, Tatis, he just doesn't fit for me right now in the infield. So, I personally don't see that happening. And he's played pretty much every day in right field. Like, he's gotten very comfortable there. So, I don't see them moving him after one season, unless it's to center field. And he's proven that he can be a really good outfielder there. So, yeah, I don't see that happening. All right, quick break. And then I want to get to you, Darvish, going on the aisle. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. 
You can visit their website, gagleonbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so it was announced earlier on Monday that you Darvish, he's going on the 15-day IL, and he's dealing with right elbow inflammation. Uh, I read on Kevin Acey's article that he put out that it's not known if he needs surgery or not. I wasn't even thinking about surgery. I just thought that this is like a, maybe not a phantom IL, because he probably is hurting. Like, he's spending an hour after starts in the training room. At least that's what I read. So he's spending longer periods of time in the training room, getting his body worked on. So there's something wrong there. And he's had some shorter outings as of late. So he's probably hurting. But I took this as the Padres just shutting him down. I mean, Bob Melvin was answering questions from the media about this. Like, oh, maybe he only misses a couple starts and he comes back. There's literally no point in you, Darvish, coming back. So shut him down. You shut Joe Musgrove down. Jake Cronenworth, obviously, he's done. And maybe there's some other guys that you think about shutting down at some point. Maybe you don't shut down someone like Manny Machado. Or you shut down someone like Xander Bogarts or Fernando Tatis Jr. Because I think that probably would be a bad look that these guys are getting paid that much money and they're just not going to play. But maybe you DH guys more often, right? You DH Manny. Once you're officially eliminated, maybe you give some guys some off days. You take it easy because there's no point in having guys risk injury here, especially pitchers that are on long-term contracts like you, Darvish. He has five more years left on his contract, $78 million. He gave up 13 earned runs in his last three starts, just nine innings in his last two starts. So he's not going as long. He's a vet. You're out of it. You need him healthy to start next season. Have a strong offseason. Be ready to go. There's no WBC that maybe throws him off. Be ready to go for 2024. Because next year, they got to make the postseason. Like, there's no freaking excuses. I thought there was no excuses for this year. There's definitely no excuses next year. They have to make the postseason. And you, Darvish, is going to have to be a significant part of that. So, yeah, it's like Musgrove. Musgrove, he's throwing right now, but there's no point in him getting on a mound. There's no point in Darvish throwing again this season. Zero point. It's like some other ba- players around baseball, like Shohei Otani. What's the point in him playing? You could point that with Cronenworth. You point that with Darvish. You point that with Joe Musgrove. And then if you look at the rest of the Padres roster, are there any other players on this roster that you would say, okay, we should shut it down? Michael Walker is someone that comes to mind. But that, I think, would only be if like the Padres know they're going to pick up the club option for $16 million next year and then $16 million, $16 million the year after that then you maybe shut him down because you know you're going to have him. But, like, yeah, you throw Rich Hill in place of you, Darvish, which is what they're doing. You don't shut down someone like Josh Hader because I don't see him coming back. You shut down Seth Lugo. I mean, maybe he doesn't come back. He'll probably try to go to free agency. Um, But, yeah, there's not a lot of guys on here that I would say you shut down. I think that, like, guys that I mentioned, like Bogarts, like Manny, uh, like Tatis, like Soto, maybe you give them some DH days and maybe give some guys some off days. You don't shut them down because, I, again, I, I think that's bad. That's a really bad look. Uh, but especially for pitchers, 
they're shutting down the guys. At least I hope that they're shutting down the guys that they should be shutting down. Darvish, no point in him pitching. Musgrove, no point in him pitching. Cronenworth, fractured wrist, probably out anyway, but there's no point in him returning, obviously. So, yeah, shut those guys down and be ready to go for 2024. That's what I would say about that. And uh, Joe Musgrove, he had a quote to Kevin AC. I guess he was giving his thoughts on this Darvish injury. And he says, it feels like we're doomed. From the get-go, we just haven't had any breaks go our way. And down the stretch, when you feel like this is your last-ditch effort to really make a push and get back in it, to be shot down with Crony going out and then Darvish going out, essentially saying, like, yeah, it sucks. Um, yeah, and it feels like we're doomed. And, yeah, that's how it's felt, I think, for a lot of Padres fans this year. Like, if something can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. You think it can't get worse? It's gotten worse. That's just how this season has gone. and. Hopefully it doesn't happen next year. But yeah, Darvish, another guy that's going on the I.L. And Matt Waldron, he has been called up, so maybe he makes a start if they decide to shut down someone else. Uh, Pedro Avila, Rich Hill, I, I would think that they're going to keep throwing those guys out there. And we'll, we'll see how they play the rest of this season. Now. All right, Ryan Phillips of the big lead. He put out a piece also on Monday talking about how the Padres need to change things. And if you don't know who Ryan Phillips is, again, big lead. So he's not Kevin Acey. He's not Dennis Lynn. He's not A.J. Casabell. He's not Ken Rosenthal or Jeff Passan. So maybe you don't want to rely on this guy and you don't believe what he says or what you're, you're taking this with a grain of salt, whatever. But he does have sources that were listed in this. So I don't believe that he's making this stuff up. And there has been some reporting out there, some things out there that I've seen already about some of this stuff, about A.J. Preller and micromanaging and the communication and maybe guys not being prepared enough and all that. So I'm not saying that this is like the gospel, but I'm not saying that you should just disregard it. For sure. So he puts this out, and this is what he says. In talking to people with knowledge of inner workings of the franchise over the past few weeks, an unflattering picture of the Padres emerged. Some of it involved the players the team had bet its future on, but most of the discussion centered on the team's front office. The first narrative relayed was that fitting a group of stars with big personalities together takes time. Which, yes, I mean, that's, that's a valid point. Takes time. But I think that's more of an excuse than like a valid reason for the Padres' struggles this season. Maybe you could point that beginning of the year because the guys were split up with the WBC and all that. But like when you're up at the plate, does chemistry really play a big part in it? Like you're just trying to get a hit off of the pitcher, you know? So I think that's more of an excuse. But what he also gets into here is AJ Preller and several. According to Ryan Phillips, we're quick to praise Preller's ability to scout and identify top talent and his knack for landing the players that he wants, which is true, obviously. There's five top 100 prospects, even after trading a bunch of their top guys, Gore, Abrams, Hassel, Woods, Susanna, trading them in the Soto deal. They have Salas, they have Jackson Merrill, they have Robbie Snelling, and I could go down the line. Like, there's impressive guys in this farm system still, so you got to give that to AJ. But you also got to point out that 
the Padres have not developed a single all-star with A.J. Preller, at least from what I remember, zero all-stars that have been homegrown. You could point to Tatis, but like I'm talking about draft and fully develop in the farm system and they become an all-star before they get dealt somewhere, you know? That hasn't happened under AJ. Uh, so when it comes to investing in players, Philip says, few teams have been as aggressive as the Padres, but the picture that emerged from multiple conversations is that the franchise fails to give those players the tools they need to succeed once they're on the roster, which that's a red flag. As one source put it, with how much they're spending on the field, it's incredible how cheap they are behind the scenes. I don't get how they don't see it. Yeah, that's definitely concerning. And that's something that I have seen out there before. I forget if it was on social media uh, from someone that's really dialed, like has talked to people inside the organization and knows what they're talking about, or if it was from a, a Kevin AC or a Dennis Lynn. But I did see that. Um, and just like not preparing guys enough. Now, some fans would be like, well, you're Xander Bogart, you're Juan Soto, you're Manny Machado. Like, you're, why, why do you need, a bunch more help. You're getting paid $30 million a year or whatever you're making, right? And I get that point. But let's say Xander Bogarts had strong advanced scouting and strong analytics and development and all that with the Boston Red Sox. And he doesn't have that same stuff with the Padres. And then you add that, oh, he got hurt this year. And then you add, he's playing at Petco Park, not Fenway. And you add that up, and it's like, well, yeah, we should have expected him to not have as good of a season, right? And those are red flags. Like, if you're spending a bunch of money on the players, you better back that up with having the resources for them to also prepare well and be at their best going into matchups, going into games. Over and over, Phillip says here, voices lamented the Padres not investing enough into helping the major league roster succeed. The term archaic was thrown around when it comes to how San Diego is preparing players on a day-in, day-out basis. Analytics, advanced scouting, and player development were mentioned as areas the Padres aren't placing enough resources. Though one source was quick to point out, the franchise has improved on the pitching development side over the past few years due to some smart hires, which is true, obviously, Ruben Niebla uh, as the major league pitching coach. I don't know a ton about the minor league stuff, so I'm not going to act like I do. But yeah, Ruben Niebla, obviously, I think that's been a positive influence in this organization. Uh, he was praised, obviously, coming over. And when he was with Cleveland, we knew that he was a smart mind as well. So yeah, there's been some positive things. But the term archaic to be thrown around and like they're just not at the same level. And this, he didn't say this, but I'm assuming they're not at the same level as the Dodgers, as the Rays, as the Astros, teams like that in advanced scouting, in player development, that's a red flag. Again, you're spending all that money on the payroll. Why can't you spend some more money on some other things as well to put these players in the best position to succeed? Now, maybe this is me, or this is, this is the article making just excuses for the players, like, oh, they're not prepared enough. Oh, the coaches haven't done a good enough job, or the development, or the front office hasn't done a good enough job giving the players what they need. That's just an excuse for the players. And I, I don't want to make this seem like I'm excusing the players. Like, no, Manny, Bogarts, Tatis, they have to be better. Soto in August has to be better. Crony has to be better than what happened this year, for sure. There's a lot of guys on this team that have to be better. But I do think that this is valid to point out 
And this is a problem in the Padres organization. It's not the biggest problem. Again, the player's performance is probably the bigger problem. But preparing is a big thing in baseball. And it's not like NFL where you have a week to prepare. No, like advanced scouting, I think, is important. And knowing these guys. And I think the new schedule, it was mentioned in this as well. The new schedule has played a factor as well. Less time to prepare. Uh, and I shouldn't say less time. But less familiarity. Because you're not playing guys as much. You're playing new teams. But that I think that's more under the excuse thing as well. Because the Dodgers are doing that same thing. It's not like the Padres are the only team out there that is playing every team in baseball. No. The Braves are succeeding. The Dodgers are succeeding. The Orioles are succeeding. The Rays are succeeding for the most part. The Rangers have succeeded. Right? There's a bunch of teams that have succeeded with this new schedule. So... Yeah, the players have to be better, but I think it's definitely valid to throw out there that the preparation probably needs to be better as well. The former Padres employee claimed one major issue in the franchise forces the pe- forces the people it does have to wear too many hats, leading to reduced performance. He claimed that also led to communication issues, which tended to hamper continuity. So it's like, you know, you're... You don't have, again, as much resources as maybe some other organizations do. And that needs to change. I think I remember Bob Melvin mentioning, like, the A's have way more, I don't know if it was analytics, analytical staff or whatever, but more resources than the Padres do. So maybe it took him some time to get used to that when he first came over. I remember the quote from Juan Soto earlier this year where he was like, you know, uh, someone in the media asked him about the offense, and he was like, I don't know. Ask those guys over there. Ask those guys down there. They know better than me. Said something to, something to that effect, and I think he was pointing to, like, where the front office and the coaches meet. And it's like, okay, so are you not being prepared good enough? Like, what's going on here? And so maybe this sheds some light on that. One former scout says, if you don't give Juan Soto the tools he needs to be Juan Soto, you're getting a different player. So did the Nationals have much better uh, player development and advanced scouting? I know Mike Rizzo is a bit, he's a, he's a scout at heart, but Preller's a scout at heart as well. So shouldn't he be big on having a good advanced scouting staff? You would think, right, if he's this old school kind of general manager and he likes feel and he likes scouting, like that's his background, shouldn't he have a good advanced scouting department? I would think. Right. So, yeah, some some head scratching things here says and and this goes back to Preller micromanaging. No one in baseball works harder than Preller, but that might also be part of the problem. I have been someone that has praised how much A.J. Preller has worked and someone that night before the deadline, he falls asleep on his couch, I think, is what the story was last off or last deadline talking to a scout like he works his butt off. But maybe that's part of the problem because he's micromanaging. That's why you see him on the phone all the time because he's having so much to do. He puts so much on his plate instead of hiring people he can trust to handle some smaller tasks. And they can be specialized in those areas while Preller can be specialized in some things that he does well and have other guys cover his blind spots. New voices from outside the organization are rarely welcome. 
what Ryan Phillips says here in this in this article. And we've heard that before. So yeah, Preller has some flaws. And this front office, there are definitely things I think that need to be fixed. If Peter Seiler is going to keep A.J. Preller, he can say A.J. is excellence and be like, well, they made it to the NLCS last year with this same GM. So I'm going to continue to believe in this guy. And okay, you can make that point. Like there is a case to keep A.J., I guess, because what happened last year and Seidler believes in him took him farther than any GM has been able to take them in my lifetime. Like there, there's, there's a case to keep AJ. I understand that. And you're so far in now you want to blow up the front office when you're so far in, you know, there's a case to keep AJ, but if you keep AJ, Peter, I hope that you tell AJ like, dude, some of this needs to change. Stop with the micromanaging. Hire people that you trust. I'll I'll sit. This is what I would do if I was Peter Tyler. I will come and sit in your office for these interviews. And if I like this guy and you have some questions about it, maybe I'll say hire this guy because you need some guys that can cover your blind spots. That's part of the problem, I think, with A.J. Preller is he hires a lot of guys that he likes and that agree with him. And there was someone, was it Dave Cameron from Fangraphs, who didn't agree with everything that Preller said, and he ends up leaving the organization. I don't think he got fired, but he ends up leaving the organization with no like next team in mind, like a plan to go right to a next team. Why is that? You know, so there, there, there's questions, obviously, about this front office. And when you new voices are rarely welcomed, I think that's a problem. You know, it would be one thing if you're the Dodgers and you're having consistent regular season success. And it's like, okay, what they have is working for the regular season. So, okay, why would you welcome new voices? I mean, I would understand that. But when you've made one postseason appearance in what? It's going to be eight years, eight full seasons as the GM of this team. One postseason appearance in a full season. Two in nine years, if you count 2020. I'm, I think the, the best thing would be to welcome some new voices, some unbiased voices that are just looking at the organization and just want to say, give you their thoughts on what is best for the organization. Not a biased view, a view that's not going to get them fired. No, just a unbiased, this is what needs to improve. This is what sucks. This is what I think is good with the organization. Because I think there's some good things with the organization. Not everything sucks. There's some people that are going to that think that, oh, everything sucks. I'm not going to say that. But there's definitely some things that need to improve with A.J. Preller, obviously, at the helm here. And then Ryan Phillips, I think this was a good piece. And again, you don't, you don't have to take this as the gospel and believe everything in here. But this isn't the first time that I've heard some of these things. And I've read some of these things. Um, he says here, in talking to people inside the Padres organization, it's clear everyone knows things can't continue this way. I was repeatedly assured changes are coming, but will they be as dramatic as needed? So he was repeatedly assured changes are coming. What are those changes? Is it Preller? Doubt it. Is it Melvin? Maybe. More probable. Is it having outside voices come in? Is it getting better player development people, better analytical staff? or just more of them preparing the players better. What is it? What are those changes? I'm going to be curious to see 
what those changes are for sure. All right. I'll get to a break and then we'll get to the chat. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, so I just saw this as that break was going on. I just saw this on social media here. And this pisses me off. I respect you, Darvish, and his toughness. But what is the point in him pitching again this season? AJ Casaville tweets this out. You, Darvish, addressed his injury after the game tonight and said his intention is to pitch again this season. Why? 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 There's literally no point in him pitching again this season. The only thing that can happen from him pitching again is him further injuring himself and maybe missing the start of 2024 or having to have surgery. So let's say he comes back, makes one start, seven shutout innings. What does that mean for the Padres? It means absolutely nothing. So that would be an idiotic decision for the Padres to allow. I get Darvish wanting to be tough and be a team player and want to finish out the year like that's just the competitiveness in him. But if the Padres allow that to happen, that is stupidity on the Padres' part. That's just stupid for Darvish to want to, for for Darvish to be allowed to pitch again. I want, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to say it's stupid for Darvish to want to pitch again. I get it, competitiveness. That would be stupid for the Padres to allow him to do that again. That would be utter stupidity. I I don't think that's just me saying that. That's. I think that's a lot of this fan base that feels that way. All right. Uh, David or Daniel, excuse me. I see he's back in here. What's up, man? Oh, sorry. I said I, I said I'll do some chores, but I'm back. Do you have uh, another question or what? Yeah, I was oh. wondering, do you think yeah, like they might uh, they might keep Bob Melvin or change? Because, you know, I, I kind of want to change him. You know, he's, he's kind of getting old and all. 
bringing like a new coach or something like that. Yeah, but if they're going to fire Bob Melvin, who are they going to bring in? Who's the better guy? Maybe like a, like a, like a, what was like a, let me see, like a, like a manager that were like one of World Series, like, you know, they have like potential, like, you know. Yeah, but like, Bruce Bochy, he's already with the Rangers. Ron Washington, I don't think he's won a World Series and he's already comfortable with the Braves. They're in a much better spot. Uh, Ozzie Guillen, that was all the way back in 2005. I know a lot of Padre fans, or at least I've seen that in comments. They, they want Ozzie Guillen. I don't know how that's really going to change things. Bob Melvin already has the respect of the players. So this is more on the players. And sure, Bob Melvin makes mistakes, but show, so does Bruce Bochy. The ti- uh, not the Tigers, the Rangers, they've been not playing very good as of late. And Bochy has made some bad managerial decisions, and he's owned up to that. Um, it happens to everyone. That's just what happens. Um, so, again, like, who is the better option? Ryan Flaherty, who's already on the staff, who should be helping Bob Melvin? That's not the better option. Mike Schilt, he's already on the staff. Isn't he supposed to be helping Bob Melvin? Like, who are they going to bring in that's better than Bob Melvin? If they bring in a rookie manager, do you think that these vets are going to automatically have a bunch of respect for this guy and want to run through the wall uh, for this new manager? No. And A.J. Preller being allowed to hire another manager? That shouldn't happen. Peter Seidler should not allow that to happen. Unless Bob Melvin like retires and doesn't want to do it anymore. But if Bob Melvin's under contract, he's not the person that should be going here. Oh, okay. And uh, one more, one other thing. I, I want to talk about, the, you know, the starting pitching the relievers because I think, like, the relievers are, like, the reason why, you know, we lost all those games that, you know, we're not supposed to be losing. So, like, you know, I think we should, like, start, like, scouting more maybe, like, look for, like, more younger pitchers because, you know, people – like, I see other teams, like, you know, like signings like these like good like relievers or pitchers like from like colleges so like i think like you know the relievers are i don't want to say like relievers like every like they have like the fall and everything but like you know i think relievers you know when you get better relievers yeah but were we saying that last year in the postseason when we had a lot of these same relievers uh in that bullpen sure the bullpen has to get better but one of aj's strong suits and he's had some faults but one of his strong suits has been able to have a pretty solid bullpen uh, in most of his years that they're trying to win, especially the closer spot. Like if someone leaves, Mark Melanson leaves or Trevor, Rose, Trevor Rosenthal leaves or Kirby Yates leaves or Brad Hand leaves, doesn't matter. He's going to bring in someone and they're going to do a pretty good job. So we'll see what happens with Hayter probably not being with the Padres next year and Suarez. Hopefully he can be healthy. Pomerantz, that money's coming off of the book, so that should help. Um, and I would expect bounce back seasons. Uh, from some of the guys in the bullpen, but a lot of those guys are under contract for at least next year. So I don't see the bullpen changing a ton. They're going to add some pieces, I would imagine, but I, I don't see it. I, that The bullpen is not at the top of my priority list, I don't think, in the offseason. I think it should start with the offense and then with uh, the rotation, seeing how that's going to unfold. Who are they going to bring back? Who are they going to bring in? Can they keep the rotation? Like, what's going to happen there? And obviously the offense, that's a big issue. That's been a huge issue. And the bullpen was a top-five bullpen at one point this year. And I know they obviously hit a very rough patch, and it's been a little bit inconsistent for sure. But, I mean, again, it was most of this bullpen last year was solid, and people weren't complaining then. So it's easy to complain about it now. Um, And I think 
there should be some upgrades. Should Luis Garcia be on the team next year? No, of course. But uh, no, I think I think the Padres believe in a lot of the guys that are in that bullpen. To be honest. Oh yeah, and I I, I think you mean like a prod like a podcast about Joe Musco's injury, and you know, so you know you don't think he, he's in pitch like this whole season, right? You think you know, he thinks he's done for the whole season, or, he, or yeah, there's no point. There's I mean, yeah, there's like a month left in the season. Uh, the Padres are already out of it. Season's essentially over. There's no point in him coming back. Just like Darvish, there's no upside in it because all that could happen is they get hurt. If they go seven shutout innings and the one start that they come back from, that means nothing for the Padres because they're already out of it. So, yeah, Darvish, Musgrove, just shut it down. Be ready for 2024. You know, because at uh, Milwaukee series, we had like a, like a couple of days ago, you know, you know, I came in thinking, you know, we might, you know, maybe lose a series or like like at least one a series, two out of one. But like, no, what we got swept is like unbelievable. Like, you know, we had like that big lead, in, like like the finale finale game. And, you know, Michael Walker just walked all those batters. I, I think Bob Melvin should just like, you know, take him out. I mean, maybe he 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 like thought us. I don't know why he didn't take him out, but well, he believes in his starters. And Waka, he's never walked four guys in a row in his career before that. So Melvin again, he believes in Waka. Has like a sub three ERA this year. That's just who Bomo is, and sometimes. Uh, him believing in the starters has not worked out, and so it ends up being the wrong move. But I'd rather have someone have faith in their starting pitchers than uh, not have faith and then overtax the bullpen. I think I've said that before earlier this season. Um, and to be honest, like that, those managerial decisions, we're past talking about, oh, should have brought in a guy, should have taken this guy out. The season's over. I mean, I think talking like I'm going to, I'll talk about these individual games a little bit. But the big thing here is obviously the bigger picture stuff. Who should get shut down? Um, what's going to happen in the offseason? Like, that's really what I think most of this Padres fan base cares about now. Um, so, I mean, with all due respect to, like, you talking about that, like, that's – I can hit on that and be like, okay, maybe Waka should have been pulled. But I, I think we're just past that. We're, we're past that at this point. Any more questions? Uh, I think I have one. Um, so – uh yeah, so you know, I, I I before the season started, I I seen like you know the New York Mets had like the biggest budget ever, and you know, everyone thought you know they might actually win the World Series, and then we're like I think the second biggest budget this year. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, because you know the Mets, you know how how bad they're doing right now, and then you know how bad we're doing too. So I mean, people thought like we just wasted money for no reason on Bogart. You know, we wasted money on you know Manny's extension, and then we might actually you know sign Soto. So I I don't. It was like, was it in your opinion? Do you think it was like a, like a, like a, how can I say, it? like a, like a horrible year, or was it like a, okay year to, uh, with the Padres this year? Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely a horrible year, and I'll let you go on that, Daniel. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, horrible year. Uh, we had World Series expectations going into the season. How can you say it was anything other than that? I mean, I guess you could say disappointing. Maybe that's a little bit easier on them, but. I don't really care about the feelings right now of these guys. Like, we're just frustrated Padres fans. And a lot of people, like I said the other day when I went on that rant and got that off my chest, a lot of people have spent so much money and so much time into this team. And they got their hopes up this season. And it all came crashing down. Um, so, yeah, it is a failure of a season. This is like the worst. And again, I, I keep saying like it, it can't get worse, right? And then it's going to get worse. But this is like the worst that it could have gone 
the worst way it could have gone. And I don't even think that anyone was imagining this happening. So I think the worst it could have gone was us barely missing the postseason. Maybe that's what some people were imagining. Like, that's just San Diego for you. That's just going to happen. But people weren't thinking that, like, they were going to maybe not have a winning record in 2023. And that's definitely on the table. So, yeah, definitely a failure of a season for sure. And, again, Xander wasting money. Sure, the back end. And I wasn't, you know, I, I knew right when they signed Xander, the contract was not going to look good at the back end. But I was excited that we signed Xander Bogart. So I'm not really going to leave off of that stance that I have when it's less than a year into that contract. I'm not going to say it's Hosmer 2.0 yet. I think it's too early for that. Same thing with Jake Cronenworth. Manny, we all wanted him to be here. So for anyone that's going to want to crap on that, come on. I mean, you wanted him here. So that just doesn't make sense for you to crap on it now. So, yeah. All right, going to the chat here. Steven says, the chat will be slow tonight, but it is a precursor for next season. I'm predicting that Petco, the experience, and the ticket prices will turn a lot of the fans off after this false hope of year. It probably will turn some fans off, at least at the beginning. They're like, hey, you're going to have to prove it to us. And if that's the viewpoint that some fans have, I definitely am not going to blame you. And there's a lot of Padres fans that are pissed off, obviously, about those season ticket prices being raised. For sure. Because the performance on the field is not reflecting those prices. It's not like they're winning and it's being raised. It would be one thing if they're making the postseason and they get it raised. They're not even, they might not even have a winning record this year. You know, and Peco Park, best ballpark in America, great food options and all that. So, yeah, you have a family, you take your kids there. I'm sure you have a great experience if you don't care about the game. But if you care about the game, which I, I assume the majority of the fans that are going to the game care about what's happening on the field, you have been very disappointed this season for the most part when you're going to Peco Park. And even if they win, as you're exiting Petco Park, you're like, well, can they do it again tomorrow? They're probably not going to be able to do it again tomorrow. And if they do it again tomorrow, they'll probably not be able to do it the next day. They're not going to follow it up. They haven't won more than four games in a row this year. They don't have very many great series at Petco Park this season, great homestands. So fans have been very disappointed this season. So yeah, I don't think that's the worst idea for fans to be like, you're going to have to prove it to me before I go spend money at Peco Park next season. Uh, Steven says, people keep saying, hey, they are still selling out. These are the residual effects of the hype. Then the investment fans were egged on to make for this season. Don't assume fans want to do it again. Hype and Fan Fest fooled the fans this season. The media convinced the fans with the high payroll. Uh, Petco, way too expensive. Tickets going up higher next season. I think that some families do think that, and, and maybe not families, just some individuals are like, that's too expensive. 50 bucks for parking or however much you pay for parking. If you don't take the trolley, then it's another 50 bucks for a ticket. Then it's another 20 bucks for food, maybe 40 bucks if you have some beers. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It adds up. And so, yeah, people saying like, yeah, they keep selling out. Yeah, those are because... People already had the tickets, and maybe some can't even sell the tickets because why would fans want to buy tickets from other fans now? Because they know the season's over. Why do you want to go to games, right? So, yeah. The, the attendance, it's still going to be decent probably the rest of the year. Not going to be what it was with all the sellouts. I don't think it should be 
based on how this team's playing. I don't blame fans that don't want to go. Um, you know, but yeah, next year, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they'll they'll have plenty of sellouts next year for sure. But I don't know if the attendance is going to be as good. Or maybe it will because they'll actually live up to expectations and the attendance will be strong throughout the entire season instead of through August. Because I think September, it's going to dip down here. Um, there's still going to be, you know, over 35,000 in the ballpark, but it's not going to be 42,000, you know, over 30,000 for sure, probably, because most of them are season ticket holders. You know, there's how many season ticket holders were there? Like 24,000, something like that, is what I think the Padres said at the beginning of the year for like a single game. So, because not everyone has a full season, my family doesn't have a full season, but 24,000 seats, I think, is what they were referring to at the beginning of the season. Flat Life asks, who are you guys facing in the World Series? Yeah, that was, looking back on it, obviously, that's something that I know a lot of fans are going to have fun with that aren't Padres fans. The Tatis, doesn't matter who is going to the World Series in the American League because we're going to win it all. But, I mean, it's Fan Fest. He was hyping everyone up. We still had all those high expectations, so I don't think fans had that big of a problem with it at that time because we were all excited for the season. And it's not like we were the Nationals of this season saying that. You know, we had high expectations. We had a better team coming into this season, I thought, on paper compared to last year. Getting back superstars, bringing in superstars, and it just didn't work out, obviously. Uh, someone here says, AJ has done a good job, just made a huge mistake with Xander. Well, he's also made some other huge mistakes. Just, just saying Xander, and again, I think it's too early to say huge mistake with Xander. Some fans will say it, and I understand it. You're reacting. But I'm not going to, I'm going to have more of a measured take there with Xander. I'm going to give it some time. Maybe it's probably me just looking at track record and I've been fooled by that already this season for those that knew that, you know, you watched, listen to the show earlier in the season and you remember me saying, no, they'll turn it around. Like, look at the track records. It can't be like this the entire year and it didn't turn around. So maybe Xander just won't turn it around and he'll be like this the entire contract. But I'm not going to give up on Xander yet. Um, and AJ's done a good job. Um, I mean, he did a good job last year, got him to the NLCS, but this year, if you're looking at results, it's not been a good job. That's just, I mean, it's a results-based business, like Don Orsillo says. Results-based business. Nancy, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate it. It says, Tati should be shortstop. He is in right field as a punishment. Enough already. Are there no other right fielders we can acquire? He animates the team. Team spirit is real. It's not there this year. We need it back. I, I mean, I disagree with this. I, I think I said this earlier. Like, he has succeeded in the outfield. Uh, I think he's shown some energy, some pretty good energy out there. You know, beginning of games, running out there, saluting the fans and all that. It provides energy to that right field corner at the beginning of games. Then many, when he makes a big throw, throwing out a guy at the plate or making a good catch, showing off the range, I think there's energy there. When things are going good, he provides some energy. When things aren't 
it's harder to provide that spark, that energy. And Tatis playing shortstop, I don't think that's the best thing for this team. Based on the roster construction, you have Bogarts, you have Kim. One of them's playing shortstop. You have a better defense with Tatis in the outfield. That's just the way it is, I think. So, no, I, I don't think Tatis should be shortstop. With how things are right now, how the roster's constructed, I don't think that makes sense for him to be shortstop. But I appreciate the opinion. I appreciate the super chat, the support of the channel, Nancy. Thank you so much. Lizzie says, I would say starting pitching is a priority if our offense was kicking ass right now. Don't think our pitching would hold up into the postseason with Musgrove, Hurt, and now Darvish. Yeah. Well, yeah, for now, this season, yeah. Musgrove and Darvish are down. Yeah, they're not probably even winning the wild card series. Or if they do, it would be because of the offense. You know, maybe you get a good start out of Waka. I guess you could get good starts out of Waka and Lugo. That's not, you know, uh, the biggest ask. They can do that. They've done that before this year. But both of those have, both both of those guys have been on the IL at some point this season. Um, so I'm just obviously hoping Musgrove and Darvish can be healthy next year. And yes, retaining Snell, if the Padres want to do that, that should definitely be a priority. And keeping a strong rotation. Because I think that they're going to need more than just Musgrove, Darvish, and hope that those guys are healthy. They're going to need more than that. What are they going to do with Waka? They can control it. They can keep them, but they're going to have to give them $16 million each year in the club options for 24 and 25. Uh, what's going to happen with Lugo? Are they going to make a trade for a controllable starter? What's going to happen there? Pedro Avila, is he going to be fighting for the fifth starter spot to save some money? lower the payroll. I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, starting pitching is definitely one of the priorities, I would say. Um, Iron Swan says, honestly, who knows what we can get for Soto? You could put out names like we want such and such for Soto, but that's only if we had forced trade on. A trade is more than just who you want to return. Yeah, you're right. That other team has to be willing to give that up for him. And at this point, the Padres would be giving Another team wants Soto for one year, and that team would probably be in the same spot as the Padres. That team would probably have Juan Soto walk on them in free agency. So how much would that other team be willing to give up? And for a team to be interested in one year of Juan Soto, that team has to be a contender. So does an American League team want to do that? Are the Orioles going to do that? I don't see that. And I'm talking about American League teams because I don't think the, the Padres would want to trade him to the Dodgers or the Phillies or the Braves or I don't know if you know, the Braves probably don't make sense, but I'm just saying like they don't want to trade him to a National League team, I wouldn't imagine. So again, like who's going to want to go do that? Who's going to be like, yeah, AJ Preller, we'll give you our top prospect, our top two prospects for one year of Soto so he can walk on us at the end of the year and it's no guarantee that he has a good year or has this amazing year and no guarantee that he comes back, obviously, no guarantee that we go in the World Series with him. Who's going to want to do that? So I don't see Soto being traded. You're going to probably see rumors about the Padres. Oh, they've had discussions because AJ has discussions about everyone. But yeah, I just don't see that happening.
Lizzie says, maybe we wanted Manny, but his contract extension is a huge amount of money. Yeah, but that's just baseball nowadays. You look at all the contracts since like Harper. You can go before that, but like Stanton was 325, that extension that he had with the Marlins. Harper obviously was over 300. Um, Manny obviously was 300. Then this extension was even bigger, 11 for 350. Bogarts got overpaid at 280. Uh, Judge obviously was, what, 360? Trey Turner was offered 340 by the Padres. He ends up signing for, I think, 300 with the Phillies. Starting pitchers are getting paid more money. Everyone's getting paid more money. It's inflation, and everyone wants to up the last guy. That's just what it is. So it was going to be a huge amount of money regardless. Maybe you didn't think they should have given him 350 for 11 years. Maybe you wanted like 300, but it was going to be big regardless. He was coming off of a season where I thought he should have won MVP. Yeah, Michelle, I think she's a season ticket holder. Must be. Can't wait for the pizza party. Yeah, Eric Grutner sent out a letter, I think, today for season ticket holders. Yeah, we're going to have a, a season ticket appreciate what was it a season ticket member uh appreciation party there's two dates i think it's a wednesday and a saturday coming up you get a free like soda or free drink and a hot dog it's like i mean come on i think fans would rather not have the party be a postseason team not have the party and not have season ticket prices raised yeah, I don't know. I just personally, I think the Padres could have done a better job of valuing their members. Or at least making it seem like they value them a little bit more. Nancy says Soto doesn't look happy here. Yeah, I mean, it's also. It's, it's probably hard to look happy when the team is underperforming like this and they're not going to go to the postseason, right? But yeah, I do. I do get that vibe a little bit as well. Mike says, the nice thing about Kim is he has improved year after year since he's come to the United States. And that's another one. Do they try to extend ha Sung Kim in the offseason? Does it make sense? Because they have Jackson Merrill coming up, who could play shortstop after Kim is done. And they could have Merrill play short, Bogarts play first, Crony play second. They could have Merrill be like a Chris Taylor type, like how Chris Taylor is or was with the Dodgers, you know? Um, and they have Bogarts stay at short. And maybe they keep Kim and have him at second and they keep Crony at first. But they probably need to have a better power first base option there at first base over Jake. Because his his even if he does get back to the Jake Cronenworth from 2021 or 2022, his value is still down at first base. Like his best value is when he's playing second base. So I don't see Kim getting extended by this Padres team just based on the other guys that are already locked in. So. I would just say enjoy Hassan Kim while you have him, Padres fans. Uh, Mike says this team needs to take, or excuse me, this team needs to acquire some young studs on the mound since we have all these hitters well into their 40s. Yeah, and Robbie Snelling, hopefully, hopefully he will be something. Dylan Lesko in a few years, hopefully he will be something. Uh, I think there's Victor Lizarraga, there's Iniarte, there's Adam Mazur. There's some talent there uh, in the farm system, but not proven big league talent. You know, that controllable big league contract. And the Padres, yeah, it would help to have some of that. But you're going to have to trade some pieces for that. And 
what do other teams want for those pieces? And are, are, there, are those guys on contending teams? If they're on contending teams, why would those contending teams want to give up those pitchers? So it's not just as simple as, yeah, let's just go get some young controllable pitchers. No, it's, it's, it's more than that. You know, two sides to tango, right? All right, that's going to be it. Talking Friars episode 457. Gaglionbros.com, main sponsor, the lead sponsor. They've been so great uh, to myself. So I definitely recommend you check those guys out. Great cheesesteak, best cheesesteaks in San Diego. Their main location on Friars Road. They're available at Snapdragon Stadium and at Petco Park as well. You can check out FOCO. Click that link in the description for some great bobbleheads, uh, some great friendship bracelets, straw hats, other um, collectibles as well. BreakingT.com, click that link in the description. I'm actually wearing one of their Breaking T-shirts, Trinity Rodman, um, for any U.S. Women's National Team fans. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on Breaking T there, and they obviously have Wave, Aztecs, Padres shirts and sweatshirts there, so check them out. Underdog Fantasy, I'll be back with my pregame pick tomorrow. And then SeatGeek, $20 off code Talking Friars if you want to go to a Padre game or just another sporting event. It might work for concerts as well. So just want to help you out with that link there. Um, all right, that's it. Talking Friars episode 457. Have a great rest of your night. Ben Fadden signing off. Padres get the win tonight, but really, who cares?